Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Contemplating Christian, and today we're going to be discussing another another one of C.S. Lewis's essays. It's uh, it's titled "On Forgiveness." Um, it's technically a talk, actually, and it was given after all the atrocities of the World Wars. And when when he was giving this talk on forgiveness, it was it was after all the Germans and the Nazis did all those horrible things. So. Uh, that's that's the context of this discussion that we're we're having on forgiveness. And so, all all I want people to think about is when they're hearing all this stuff on forgiveness, is think about like a Jew or uh, a soldier in the in the military hearing this stuff on forgiveness right after the Germans and the uh, Axis powers did all of the things that they did. Um, right. So it'd be a pretty powerful message. That would hit some people in the face, like a two by four or something like mm-hmm. that. So, um, yeah. that's, that's the context. And when when we get into the essay, actually, the first thing he brings up is creeds, and we 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 want to discuss the importance of creeds because in the creeds it actually says we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And the peculiar thing is, why would why would we add that? Like if we're if we're Christians, we should really already know about forgiveness. We should understand it, and we should be doing it so why did people add it into the creeds and why are creeds important um so yeah what are your what are your first thoughts on that will oh lots there um yes so i think forgiveness and having forgiveness as part of the creed and then i want to chat more about just why creeds are important in in general but both uh for our own personal walks forgiveness is something that we'll get into this more but forgiveness is something that's actually hard to believe in sometimes we doubt that God actually forgives us of our sins and we causes us to despair and we struggle to believe the gospel. So that's one thing for ourselves, but also like C.S. Lewis is talking about when we talk about forgiving others, that can sometimes seem very easy to us. And then someone actually does something bad to us. And we're like, wait, he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) And then it becomes hard again for us to forgive. And so it's a perpetually difficult thing. We need to remind ourselves of, of the Christian doctrine of forgiveness, both how we've been forgiven and how we're to forgive others. As you mentioned, though, this is in creeds. So this, uh, the Apostles' Creed, I believe, is what he's talking about when he says that the forgiveness of sins is in the creed. And this is something, of course, C.S. Lewis is coming from an Anglican background. He's from the Church of England, which is an Anglican communion. And they cite they are a creedal church or a confessional church. They hold to like the 39 Articles of Religion is the uh, Anglican confessions and uh, some other things as well. So they are... Uh, kind of rooted in the historical creeds of the church, and they consistently confess those in their uh, worship services, in their liturgies. And so it's a consistent part of an Anglican's life to hear things like, they'll consistently hear like the Ten Commandments, they'll consistently hear uh, creeds and the Apostles' Creed, and they'll consistently cite those. And yes, it is uh, different than maybe some of our listeners or us uh, in our church backgrounds, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the there is actually an importance of creeds. Uh, mm-hmm. Creeds connect us to historic Christianity, especially those early creeds. the The creeds are how how we understand or how we are sure that a lot of the Christian beliefs have stayed the same because these are uh, these are the essential confessions of the faith. And so, when it mm-hmm. says we believe in the forgiveness of sins. That has been a universal 
belief and confession of the church throughout all of history. And um, obviously you wouldn't think of like a Christian straying from the idea of forgiveness easily, but there are other topics in the creeds um, like specifically on the natures of, of Jesus or the Holy spirit that a lot of Christians would easily just stray from. So um, I think just knowing the creeds and understanding them is something that will keep us connected to the Christians of the past. So that's right. what I would, that's what I would say for, for creeds. Um, so right. when it comes to forgiveness, we should understand the creed so that we hold to the same view of forgiveness as the Christians, like the early Christians. Uh, right. Christian it provides, faith. it provides doctrinal continuity and stability throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, many Christians today will have, they'll say statements, which are actually creeds. <laughs> they'll actually say things like no creed, but the Bible or no creed, but Christ. Those are fairly popular things for evangelicals to say. Those are itself though, confessions and creedal statements. I believe that that's all a creed is, is saying, I confess this, or I believe this. And so mm. when you say no creed, but Christ or no creed, but the Bible, you are yourself making a confession that isn't a scriptural statement. It's something that you're just saying. Um, and though it might seem noble and it might seem like you're sticking to the Bible, uh, and Protestants of course want to do that. Um, all the creeds of the early church and like the major, con- the confessions of faith of the different denominations within Protestantism, they are attempting to synthesize and state plainly their beliefs about what scripture is teaching and hold Mm. to those. Uh, It is trying to be, and then trying to be rooted in, in historical belief as well. So Mm. uh, we shouldn't be uh, as opposed to creeds as I think a lot of, a lot of evangelicals are. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so when it comes to the creed and forgiveness of sins, there's actually a debate that comes up a ton. So before we get into the, like the main message of what forgiveness is and uh, how we are to forgive um, and like forgiveness versus excuses and things like that, there's actually this huge debate of conditional versus unconditional um, forgiveness. So is there some type of uh, specifications or conditions that must be met before forgiveness happens um or is or does that just not matter and there is unconditional forgiveness uh and how far should we go with that and what it's applied to and and everything like that and c.s lewis uh he he actually writes on this just a little bit at the beginning and so i'm just going to read a little bit of what he says to introduce the topic so This is what he says is the second paragraph of his talk. Uh, He says, we believe that God forgives us our sins, but also that he will not do so unless we forgive other people their sins against us. There is no doubt about the second part of this statement. It is in the Lord's prayer. It was emphatically stated by our Lord. If you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. No part of his teaching is clearer and there are no exceptions to it. He doesn't say that we are to forgive other people's sins, provided they are not too frightful or provided There are extenuating circumstances or anything of that sort. We are to forgive them all, however spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated. If we don't, we shall be forgiven none of our own. So, yeah, the 
So the the big debate is okay if uh, if we aren't forgiven if we don't forgive. How does that work with um, salvation? And is is it kind of like a work, or um, <clears throat> does it come after after we're justified? And is it kind of like losing our salvation? So are we like if if I'm saved and then I don't forgive someone? Am I then not forgiven and Mm -hmm. in a way like lose my salvation or maybe lose rewards in heaven or something like that? So that's the whole debate. Will, what are your first thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a, this just, it is just straight from Matthew six. So Matthew six 15, I believe. Um, And this is from the sermon on the Mount in which Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And he just makes the statement and C.S. Lewis basically just quotes the verse in the essay. And he says, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so he's just taking that statement at face value and saying, uh, it, it sounds like there's conditionality to our being forgiven by the father. And there's different ways of understanding that text and how that all fits in with our entire understanding of salvation. Uh, I personally, coming from a kind of reformed-ish background, mm-hmm. <laughs> would say that uh, that is if your heart is not one that forgives, it shows that you haven't been forgiven by God. And so this is kind of taking um, the statement and saying that if you're not bearing good fruit of forgiveness, that means you haven't been forgiven. That's how I would interpret the passage. Um, It is certainly Mm. an interesting and difficult text. I don't think though that it means that God is waiting upon you to forgive someone in order to forgive you of your sins. Um, Mm. Because I think that that, that, makes the rest of our doctrine of salvation pretty wonky and uh, perhaps works oriented. Um, But it is stressing the importance of a true heart that has been forgiven and knows how much it has been forgiven by God and understands the gospel. That heart Mm. that has believed the gospel does forgive others. Yeah. I think that's what it's getting at. Yeah. So I would say that's, that is a good like formed understanding of, of that passage. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now to, to play devil's advocate. I do think there would be uh, other Christians or other denominations that would hold to something different. Um, Perhaps uh, Catholics or maybe even Anglicans or Lutherans would put it differently. I don't think any of them would say that if we don't forgive, uh, then we aren't uh, like justified in any way or forgiven at all in any way. But I do think they would have some type of, uh, punishment or reduction of a heavenly reward if we don't forgive. Or I also don't think they would say that once we forgive people, then we're saved. Right. right. So I think this, uh, they would first qualify it in an, in a post faith um, situation. So after someone has faith, after someone experiences the, their conversion and everything, whether they are forgiving or not mm-hmm. will determine something. It's uh, I don't think they would uh, articulate it in the reformed way. So what, what would you think yeah. about the, the other ways someone would say it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your first yeah, thoughts? It, it really does depend on how you view uh, the perseverance of the saints or whether you, somebody can lose their salvation. I think it really does kind of, it's all intermixed with that and depends on that and whether you've, think somebody can fall away from the faith. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Those traditions you mentioned, all three of them, 
uh, depending on the Anglican. Anglicans have a very diverse population yeah. of Christians that believe a lot of different things. You have basically Catholics that are Anglican, and then you have Anglicans that are far more close to a reform position that would believe you don't lose your salvation. Then there are Lutherans who I think <clears throat> overall Lutherans believe you can walk away from walk away from your faith. Mm -hmm. um, so it really depends on that. And of course, Catholics do. And so I think that if you have that sort of mindset, then you can believe that, uh, let's say after justification and you have faith and then you, let's say somebody murders your son and you hold this grudge forever against this person and you never want to forgive them, then there are Christian tra traditions that would probably say, then God is waiting on to, to bring you back into a state of grace. He's waiting on you to forgive that person. Mm -hmm. I think that like a Catholic would probably say that. Um, whereas a reformed Christian might say, um, somebody that has embraced the gospel and has Jesus as their treasure would say that that is something that would never happen. Yeah. Or if somebody was called out on that sin, they would repent. Like repentance would naturally come because there is a new seed, a new heart has been born. That new heart will produce good fruit, as in repentance and forgiveness and all those sorts of things. So it's tough. It's a tough debate. Yeah. But I, yeah. yeah. But that, uh, that's actually what he, he starts with. And so we just wanted to touch on that briefly. Yeah. It's a, it's it's very complicated and he he did actually at first it doesn't seem complicated but then it gets super in depth and it just starts affecting everything about um soteriology and how we're saved and how faith works and how forgiveness works it's it's crazy but anyway let's let's get to the more uh the the main message of this talk and essay which is actually forgiveness as opposed to excuses and how we are to forgive people so um so forgiving someone would be pretty much w wiping the slate clean. So if someone did something to you, you would forgive them and not hold a grudge, not have any bitterness, not um, not seek revenge for that person. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the person, but that does mm -hmm. mean that you aren't seeking their harm. You're seeking their greatest good. Um, so there, So there is that. And then... That would be as opposed to excuses where when when someone goes up and apologizes, a lot of people just start with, well, here are actually the reasons why I did this. And they don't own up to it. They don't say, this is what I did wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, they, they start listing these things. And there's a couple of things about that, which is if we make excuses and we're just constantly making excuses and giving reasons why we did something, there's like, you can't forgive an excuse. If someone accepts all the excuses, there's nothing to forgive. So it actually um, cancels out forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It makes it um, useless, vestigial, right? right? And then um, the important thing is after you've made all of the excuses, whatever is left over, that's what needs to be forgiven, mm -hmm. right? Right, CSOs talks about how um, people often mistake forgiveness for excusing somebody's sin or excusing a wrongdoing, but that's not what forgiveness means. So he says, forgiveness says, yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology. I will never hold it against you. And everything between us two will be exactly as it was before. Excusing says, I see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You weren't really to blame. 
So in one case, somebody really is to blame, yet you still forgive them as you're commanded to um, mm -hmm. by Christ. But excusing says you didn't really do anything wrong. So those are crucially different. And they're actually opposites is kind of what he ends up getting at. They're they're really completely yeah. opposed to each other. If if you have something to forgive, there are no excuses for it. Mm. If you have excuses for it, there's no forgiveness needed. No forgiveness is necessary. So they're really opposites. Yeah. And there's a dangerous middle right there with uh with the feelings. So feeling forgiven or feeling satisfied with the excuses. So if we are making excuses or something like that, a lot of times we will walk away satisfied with our excuses and not actually feeling forgiven and will um will basically confuse those two feelings. All right? And there is something to say about going off of our feelings when it comes to forgiveness. Um, because a lot of times we can be forgiven, but also not feel forgiven. Um, so right. I think we should look at forgiveness uh, a lot of times objectively and how God doesn't change and look at forgiveness immutably, right? So right. God isn't suddenly just going to bring something back and change his mind and say, hey, uh, remember when you did this? So I think we need to just remember that objectively whether we still feel bad or not yeah, like right. if we have confessed we have to or if we um if we have faith in jesus and we know his sacrifice has applied to us we should just know that we we are forgiven and shouldn't worry about god deciding not to forgive us if we right. if we repent yeah right yeah there's really a uh it's sort of just the whole logic of the gospel and um what we actually there's the objective aspect of our forgiveness and that depending on your interpretation of how we're saved and stuff like that christians are going to disagree about this but um mm. certainly i would say that there's an objective aspect to your forgiveness that uh, once you've uh, been united to christ that you are forgiven objectively and that status doesn't change but that subjectively as you go about your christian life that feeling of feeling that feeling of being forgiven uh, waxes and wanes. It ebbs and flows. Uh, sometimes when you're kind of in a rut, it feels like you're really not forgiven. There's no way that the Lord for, would forgive you. <clears throat> um, you could feel like forgiven or unforgiven on the same day. And so the subjective aspect of our forgiveness is what um, I think we need to preach the gospel to ourselves and say, no, Christ has done this for you. And one of the main jobs of Satan is to bring back sins that you've committed and say, look at this, look at this, look at this. You you deserve to go to hell. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and this is why I think, well, I think this is kind of the core reason that I'm actually a Protestant and not a Catholic, because the main reason, uh, the main difference of how you answer that question, I think, kind of determines what Christian you are. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is why when, when Luther talks about um, being accused by Satan and being accused by the devil, he just says, yep, you're right about all that stuff. But Jesus paid for that. And Jesus already dealt with that. It's even worse than you think, but Satan dealt or uh, Jesus dealt with that on the cross, and mm -hmm. therefore I'm forgiven. And that sort of response is kind of the marker of I think a Protestant faith or faith alone. Yeah, yeah. And when we <clears throat> when we go to ask for forgiveness in this way and repent, um, we so we do make excuses. And there's a reason we make excuses as opposed to just seeking that forgiveness that you were talking about with uh, mm -hmm. with Luther, like I have faith in Jesus, so I'm forgiven. You're right about all that stuff. Uh, 
So there's an analogy and it's a doctor analogy. When you go to the doctor, you show them the bad things, not the good things, right? So um, the only time someone would like stall using uh, like showing a doctor a bad thing is if they were like ashamed or were nervous about learning it and didn't want to know the truth. They would uh, start saying, hey, hey, look at like, look at my ability to move my muscles. My muscles work perfectly fine. My brain works fine. And they'll just like avoid uh, because they're anxious or ashamed. And then they'll they'll hopefully eventually get to the bad thing so the doctor can actually fix it. The uh, Honestly, the doctor doesn't really care about the good stuff. The doctor is just like, awesome. <laughs> You're completely fine. But that's um that's why we make excuses is because we we are anxious or something like that and so we don't uh and the, this gets to the logic of the gospel so we don't truly understand the logic of the gospel or grace like it's counterintuitive in some ways it um at first we're like no i should like feel bad i should pay for this while like or something like that um mm-hmm. but then grace and mercy and forgiveness does kind of get how people how people describe it when they're uncomfortable with it. They they would say it's just a an escape hatch. It's a way out. It's the easy way out or something like that. Um, that's how they would describe it because it does at first seem counterintuitive. Yes, yeah. it definitely seems counterintuitive. And I've heard I think this is Tim Keller who said, um, "You are infinitely more sinful than you know." and infinitely infinitely more loved than you can understand. And so the idea is, is that you don't even know the depths of your sinfulness and you're, mm-hmm. you're not fully even aware of how sinful you are. And yet faith in Christ has saved you and you are forgiven by God if you trusted in him. And that is a gospel that is counterintuitive to our intuitions where we want to constantly want it, We want to be measuring it up and having the, the, uh, kind of the the deck even with God in the sense of like, okay, I did this bad thing, but I made up for it with this. I did this bad thing, but then I made up for it over here. I did this thing on the side and kind of evening the scales with him constantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that intuition is sort of a works-based intuition that we constantly have and that the gospel goes against, which is why throughout Romans, if you read Romans, Paul actually gets the charge of antinomianism, which is the idea that uh, you're against the law. So in throughout Romans, and you get to Romans 6, um, and he says, shall we sin so that grace may abound? That is people confronting him and saying, well, if this grace is so free, then I can just send it up and do whatever I want. Okay, that's, I think this is Martin Lloyd-Jones who said, you don't know, you haven't fully preached the gospel in the full freeness of how it's preached in the New Testament, unless you've been charged with antinomianism. And Protestants are often charged with antinomianism and in the Reformation they were. I think that's how you know you're actually getting the gospel right because Paul did. Yeah. Yeah. With um with that de- definitely some people would not preach it in a way or articulate it in such a way where people would say so I can so like hey so I can just do whatever I want, right? Right. Um I think a lot of people would articulate it in a way where someone would just skip right past that and not say anything about oh so i can uh i can kind of just get the upper hand on god and 
mm-hmm. do all the things I actually want to do and get heaven. Um, right. So, yeah. So, so I think it's, kind of, you go. <laughs> well, this is kind of uh, showing my cards a bit more and uh, this is probably irritating to a Catholic viewer. So apologies to any, mm. <laughs> to any Catholics, but how I kind of think of it right now is like uh, the Catholic system makes sense in my brain and makes more sense to like my natural state. And that's why mm. I think it's wrong because it's actually more intuitive. I, I did a bad thing. I sinned. Therefore, I need to make up for it. I need to go to confession. I need to do penance. I need to, um, obviously, Protestants believe you need to repent and things like that. But uh, they believe that it is a fruit of the salvation you already have. And so <clears throat> the Catholic system actually, I think, is intuitive in the sense that we all um, believe when we do something wrong, we need to make up for it with God. And mm-hmm. that is... The very thing that Paul, I think, is going against. And I I would never charge a Catholic with antinomianism ever. I, like, I just never would. Because there yeah. is always something actually to... If you do sin, you do need to make up for it. You need to actually go do something. Mm. And they might not think of it like that, or they might not articulate confession that way. But that's how I do see it. So, sorry, Catholic yeah. viewers, but that's those are kind of my thoughts about Yeah. So, yeah. In their in their defense, I do think they would not articulate it like that. They would they would definitely make distinctions. But mm-hmm. um, you're right; a lot of people do view Catholicism that way. Just uh, just from what they know about it, that's how they would understand it. But we should move on from Catholicism and antinomianism and get back to uh, forgiveness and uh, excuses. So um, so moving on to the next thing, we uh, true forgiveness is being reconciled after all the excuses are gone in a way and done and you see all the bad see all the blame and there are no more reasons or excuses left and then you still forgive that and you uh-huh. still still forgive them once you do that it's true forgiveness he c.s lewis actually has a great line in this he says um forgiving uh this is paraphrased not word for word Forgiving someone that has excuses is not Christian charity. It's just fairness. Yeah. So if if you forgive someone who has a good reason or a good excuse, that's actually just giving them the benefit of the doubt and being fair and not mm-hmm. actually forgiving the inexcusable. Right. Yeah. Right. And so um, C.S. Lewis kind of talks about how when you get into this kind of this bad mental state of how do I know I'm forgiven or you're making a lot of excuses to God, this sort of the state Mm -hmm. that we find ourselves in. Sometimes he gives two remedies for kind of a faulty view of, of how to view forgiveness. And one of them is realizing that when you're making excuses, realize that God is omniscient. And so if God's omniscient and you do have a true excuse somewhere Mm -hmm. that's actually covering some of your sin in some way, and it makes it actually not sinful, then God knows that and God will judge fairly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also know that you're, you're probably trying to cover up stuff that is sinful actually, and that Mm -hmm. is inexcusable. And so just know that God knows all of those things. And yet still at the same time, he calls us to, um, just come to him and he will forgive us. And so the second remedy he talks about is truly believing in the forgiveness of sins. And he says that he says a great deal of our anxiety to make excuses comes from not really believing in it. 
from thinking that God will not take us to himself again unless he is satisfied that some sort of case can be made in our favor. He talks about how we actually just need to believe that God will forgive. Yeah. And I think in another place, not this this talk, I think in another place, he wrote something along the lines of, it took many years after I um, became a Christian to actually believe in the forgiveness of sin. So a lot of people can uh, have faith in Christ, live the Christian life and all of this, but still not truly understand forgiveness of sins or feel it. And then it might take them to mature a really long time to actually like understand it and finally get to the point where they feel truly forgiven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, I can attest to that idea of it's difficult to believe in and you need to actually put faith to work. I like the idea of actually like making your faith work and making your faith, um, exercising your faith in the sense of, trusting in God actively, trying to actually put your trust in him, believe that he's done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's where C.S. Lewis ends on forgiveness. So a lot of topics. It's a very it's actually a very short talk. It's only like five pages. Um right. but we expanded on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, real quick just to end, he talks about um this idea of the uh, how it might be you know, easy or understandable to uh, forgive like one grave thing that happens, you know, one, mm. one massive injury that takes place to your own person. If somebody mm. commits it, one big evil against you, that's often something you can forgive. Uh, but it's often the, what he calls the incessant provocations of daily life. So the bossy mother-in-law, the bullying husband, the nagging wife, the selfish daughter, the deceitful son, this sort mm. of daily sins that people commit, the nagging stuff, uh, we're still supposed to forgive those things. And he says, how can we do it? That seems like the hard stuff to forgive. And he says, only I think by remembering where we stand, by meaning our words when we say in our prayers each night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. So when we see what has happened to us and we see how God has forgiven us, it allows us and it gives us the power to forgive the daily irritating things with your spouse or your friends or whoever. So that's a good encouragement as well. Yeah, there we go. So main point of this is you should forgive and actually do it correctly. Don't forgive excuses, forgive the inexcusable as Christians, just like God forgave the inexcusable things we did. Amen. So there we go. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you uh, want to keep hearing our talks, subscribe. Please like the video. And if you feel led to support us, uh, the information is in the description below. You can do it on Patreon or through uh, supporting us through purchasing any kind of merchandise. So thank you. God bless.